The Den. Conversations with Andrew Wolf. In this week's podcast, I'm in conversation with Jamie Jauncey. Jamie is founding partner at Dark Angels and the Stories We Tell, director at Invisible Grail, novelist, blogger and musician. Jamie, welcome to The Den. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. And um, it's also very nice to see you, Andrew. Uh, we're on Zoom and we can see each other. And it's been a long time since we've, uh, since we've actually uh, caught sight of one another, hasn't it? Far too long. Absolutely. Yeah. Jamie, I know you well as a writer, storyteller and more recently blogger through your A Few Kind Words and Don Roberto blogs. I'm thinking you're pretty well qualified to comment on the business of creativity and creativity in business. Well, um, that's nice of you to say so. I've, I've, I've been around a while <laughs> and uh, I've been involved over the years in all kinds of different projects. But I suppose the one that's taken me closest to, to really where we get to, to grips with creativity has been through Dark Angels, which is the, the program that I've been running with um, a couple of colleagues now for, well, nearly 20 years, actually. Um, and uh, essentially it's a... It's a it's a creative writing program with a with a with a kind of slant towards people who have to write at work. So um, we 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 take we, we we take the the tools of the creative writing profession, um, i.e., poetry, memoir, short stories, fiction, um, and we we encourage people who are using um, language at work to, to to try these different forms and see what it opens up for them, see how it loosens up their own approach to to writing um, in within the world at work. And I think what we're really aiming for is to get people using a language that is, um, I'd say, more more that has more humanity, that's more human, that makes better use of the imagination, that has bit more emotion in it that's more engaging so it's kind of a it, it's a counterweight to the um to to what one could describe as the sort of rather deadening and often alienating language of the world at work where everything is very much about process um where <clears throat> ten, things tend to become abstract very easily we're trying to encourage people to make things concrete and talk wherever they can about real people doing real things um so it's easier for everybody to connect with what's being said and and in in that work jamie do you do you see people coming along to your dark angels events and having light bulb moments in writing light bulb moments of creativity or or do 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 they tend to have to work quite hard at it um, I, I mean, I don't want to sound as if I'm sort of over-egging the pudding, but, you know, we have over 20 years, over nearly 20 years, we've had a tremendous number of people who, who I think this has kind of completely, it's opened a completely new chapter in their writing lives. I mean, whether they see themselves as writers or not is immaterial. Um, and many people come to us not seeing themselves as writers, although they have to write as part of their jobs. And I mean, they might be in management, they might be in marketing, they might be in some other sort of area of communications. They might even be freelancers. We've had people like you who 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 are basically working in the visual area, um, often on courses as well, who are des who are perhaps designers by background, um, and uh, very often some kind of threshold is crossed on these courses where yeah. people something happens and people understand. And actually, the thing that happens, which is the thing that I'm most interested in, 
is that there is a, a, an internal connection gets made that previously had not been made. So uh -huh. there is also, I mean, this wasn't part of our plan when we started running these courses, but there is a big aspect of sort of personal growth, personal development, and professional development, of course, as well. Because once you start to write about the things that we might encourage you to write about on one of these courses, you can't really help yourself from thinking about who you are, you know, and what what you stand for, um, what your values are. It's interesting, isn't it? And something that fascinates me is people think of creativity as the realm of writers and artists and designers and painters, uh, but actually everyone's creative. And, and often it's just giving people the confidence to express that creativity and, and, and maybe not even label it creativity. I mean, you, you've called it an internal connection. Um, you know, the, the, there are all sorts of things you can call it that, that actually helps, helps not label it. I ab couldn't agree with you more, Andrew. I mean, I, I've always maintained that, that I mean, creativity, the, the word is a big trap and people shy away from it for the reasons you've just very well explained. And, you know, people come on our Dark Angels courses and say, oh, I'm not really creative. But actually, for me, it's about authenticity. Uh, creativity is, is, is really about finding the way that you best express yourself in the world. And I mean, you know, if you're, let's say you're, you, let's say you're a plumber, um, or, you know, you ride horses for a living, or, I don't know, you know, you're a banker, or whatever it is. The creativity is just the expression of that sort of inner impulse to, 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 to be who you are, and I've always maintained that. So it, it's, it's an awful trap for people to think that being creative means that you've got to compose an opera or, um, you know, or, or, write, or write, a, write a book a prize-winning novel. Not the case. Novel. And Not it's interesting, case. isn't it, um, how, how children don't have that barrier to creativity. They have, they have an absolute unfettered ability to be creative. Uh, Pablo Picasso famously wrote, every child is an artist. The problem is staying an artist when you grow up. Um, uh, so um, we, we, we've, we've covered the self-limiting beliefs some grown-up people have around being creative, but but isn't it the case that people lose that, um, well, they, they're nervous of the label of creativity and they just want to um, shy away from it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's a, the, I remember the, the children's author, Michael Morpurgo, it's a kind of complimentary um, remark to the Picasso one you've just read out, saying that, that the, the, the adults I find most interesting are those that know that the child in them is their soul. Uh, and 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 how do we how do we hang on to that? And of course, there's so much in life that mitigates against it. And education has got it bears a huge responsibility there. I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, and um, we we need to uh, we need to be given we need to be reminded as adults that it's okay to play, because that's that's also where we. Feel free to express ourselves. Well, feel, feel, feel free to play, but also feel free to fail. A, a, large, a large part of creativity is failure. I mean, a big thing in, for me in design is try something out. If it doesn't work, fine, move on to the next idea. Um, and I remember vividly as a student learning, learning my trade, I suppose, and going through reams upon reams of paper and actually not worrying about the cost of a sheet of paper, which I was worried about in those days, uh, being, being a, a student on a meager grant. Um, but, but you had to not worry, you had to just keep going, keep going, keep going. And we, I went to a very good lecture by a famous designer called Abram Games. Um, Abram Games designed some of the famous uh, These Walls Have Ears posters during the, war, during the war. And he was a very old man, came into the college um, in the 80s, it must have been. Um, 
and someone asked him, where do you get your big ideas from, Mr. Games? And he said, I don't get any big ideas. I just work really hard. I go through lots and lots of paper and work really hard at it. Um, but but, but that, that fear of failure is an interesting one. I think that's something that's often a barrier to creativity for people, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Uh, and that's where it comes back to the sort of play aspect of it, that, you know, as a child, you don't play in order to succeed. You play in order to play. And we're very censorious as a society of of um, of, of um, lack of um, lack of achievement. You know, we have to achieve all the time. And actually, I I I I truly believe that being free not to achieve is is a very very important part of 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 being able to explore creativity in whatever sense you you, you have yes. to define it. I, I I quite agree with you. Fantastic. Jamie, mo moving on to something that's potentially quite controversial in, in, in the world at the moment. I know you're a passionate supporter of the independence movement in Scotland. You've very successfully moved into vlogging over the past few months. There have been a, many comments about how clearly you've articulated the reasons for independence. Uh, I have two questions. One, how, how surprised have you been at the surge in interest in your vlogs, which has been phenomenal? And where do you think creativity sits in the independence debate? Yeah, mm. really, two, two really interesting questions. Well, the first one, uh, yes, I was surprised, and actually, I mean, I've been blogging, um, I've been blogging about independence for a while, but in written form, um, and and under the banner of um, Don Roberto and me, and I mean, we, we might want to talk a little bit about that in, in, a, in a minute, oh. but. Um, <clears throat> uh, and I've been, you know, I've been getting an audience. Um, but earlier on this year, I, uh, with the with the Holyrood elections coming up, I just felt, I felt, I was beginning to feel incredibly frustrated, um, uh, and um, I felt things were sort of kind of running away with us, or running away with me, and that I needed to say something that would 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 reach more people. So I took a complete punt and m made a little film of myself down but on the banks of the River Tay near where I live. Very short, I mean, it was six minutes, I think, just saying what I thought about it. And put it out there, and I enlisted one or two friends in the in, who have higher profiles than I do in the independence movement and said, you know, can you help me push this around a bit? And, um, and it got over 10,000 views. Um, which was sort of completely took me by surprise. And I, obviously I was also delighted. So I then thought, well, I'd better do some more. And, and do you think the power of the spoken word and the moving picture is more powerful than the written word? But uh, without question. I mean, in this day and age, you know, we, we are educated to have much shorter attention spans. Here's, here's a statistic for you, Jamie. Apparently a goldfish has got a four-second attention span. It goes round its, its goldfish bowl and says, nice view, four seconds, nice view, four seconds, nice view. Um, and as, 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 as a race, the hum, human beings apparently were down to 3.5 seconds, our attention span. If, if, if a tweet or a piece of social media or news doesn't attract us within 3.5 seconds, we move off onto something else. And the, and the, and, and the power of the moving picture is, is, is holding us. It, it'll hold us for a bit longer because we're waiting for the next, the next thing to happen when something's moving. Well, that's a horrific thought, I must say. I mean, I've written novels, so what chance do I have <laughs> settling down to read a novel these days? But no, I mean, obviously people still do. But this is a, this, and this is a different medium we're talking about. But um, yeah, no, uh, it, it's it, it is it is effective, and for this kind of thing, which is very immediate, you know. And I mean, I've been I, I've had a sort of eight week run. I've done one a week for eight weeks. 
and um, I've stopped now because we've got the election in two days' time. Um, but it's proved, I think, it's proved to be a, g a good medium for this kind of thing, anyway. Yeah, and 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 going on to the second question, uh, yes, where sorry. creativity sits in the independence debate, I'm I'm really interested in this this um, um, concept that creative minds, a we we don't fear failure, um, and and b we can see the future. We, we, we can conceptualize the future. So, so I'm, I'm really interested in, in, in our creative minds attracted to independence. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very well-known Scottish writer whose name currently escapes me, but who has written beautifully about the natural world. I mean, everybody will know who I'm talking about, and I just can't. But she, I remember in 2014 her saying um, that people in the creative sector were more drawn towards the idea of independence, perhaps because they are less firmly anchored to things, and because perhaps they're that they they they're used to questioning things a little bit more. Um, I mean, that wasn't necessarily to sort of give people in the creative sector a leg up in the independence movement, but I think she was just making an observation. Um, but um, yeah, th there's. Well, there's a really nice quote from Ben Okri, the Nigerian novelist, um, which, I, which I wrote down, which I, I've used in the past. And he says that stories are the secret reservoirs of value. Change the stories individuals and nations live by and tell themselves, and you change the individuals and nations. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, this is really the power of, of the story, and it is an enormously powerful, it's, you know, it's the oldest form of communication, <laughs> pretty much. Um, uh, and, and we know that, that there are all sorts of studies have been done on how much, um, how much better people retain facts that are dressed up in the form of a story than simply as a, a series of, of, of points, for example. Uh, and, and I think that we are seeing the story in Scotland change really quite radically. I mean, I grew up in Scotland in the 50s, um, and I was then sent away to school in, in England and, and came back to Scotland in the 90s. And by the time I came back, the story was starting to change, and it's changed much, much more. And there's, um, it's a story of confidence now, where, whereas, you know, in the, in the second half of the 20th century, it... it it really wasn't. It, this was Scotland wasn't a confident place. It's a much, much more confident. And story, story is at the heart of that. I think you know the stories people tell about about their own experiences and, and about their aspirations. Um, it's interesting. So, you, it's interesting. Yeah. You come at it from storytelling. I come at it from brand as well. Um, you know, we, we we have badges and and icons in Scotland that are very meaningful to us as a nation. Uh, we're very proud of our tartans, our thistles, our Saltires are uh, whatever whatever the icons are. There are many of them. Um, I, I had a debate around independence with someone in financial services uh, around about the 2014 referendum, and he came at it all from the financial point of view, and I came at it all from the brand point of view and the fact that the brand of the union is actually rather broken. Now, without getting into the polit my politics at all, you know, just as an observation as a brand consultant, I see a brand that's very broken. If I was if, if I was advising that organisation, the union, I'd be saying get your brand sorted out, sort out the individual parts of that that uh, that that organisation. Um, the, the brand is thoroughly broken. Um, where, whereas the brand in Scotland's actually got it's got a lot of brand credibility and brand uh, value, 
that, that's very well known around the world. And I think, I mean, I think, yes, I quite agree with you. And I think what you're talking about are the stories that are embedded behind those values. So, you know, you, um, they, we, we recognize those stories without necessarily even having to articulate them, but they do lie, they do lie behind, they do lie behind it. Um, I think it's, yeah, it, it's, it's very interesting the way things have been moving. I mean, the things that, the things that got me into it when I came back to to Scotland in 1990 was it was really through the arts. I mean, it was through writing, through my connection with writing, and also through music, through through playing the music that I'd been brought up playing, traditional music. And I'd lived in London for 20 years and came back, got involved with that, um, and got involved in the in the sort of Scottish literature scene through the mainly through the Edinburgh Book Festival. And um, that's when I realised that there'd been a huge shift. Um, uh, so, story story plays a very big part in in how we perceive the world, undoubtedly. Um, Jamie, a, fi a final thought. What would you say to your twenty year old self? I know it's I know it's only a few a few years ago. Well, on the basis of my own experience, I'd say hang in there through your twenties because my twenties, although they were very exciting, they were also it was a time of immen immense questioning and uncertainty um, and things for me became a lot clearer. Maybe I was a late developer, but I think things began to get clearer when I was around about 30. And I think that, um, you know, if you have the opportunity in your 20s to figure out what's holding you back, then it's a good time to get to grips with that. Um, it's an exciting time. I mean, I had a my my twenty year old self was racketing around in London. I'd been to university in Aberdeen, and in those days, I wanted to go to London because that's the, the bright lights. And I went down to London and spent nearly twenty years there. In the end, and I had a wonderful time in many ways in my twenties. But I was also very unsure of myself and my own direction. And you know, there were all the highs and lows of self discovery during that period. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, figure figure out what what the what the obstacles you have to overcome are. Yeah, and and, and what a different what, what what a different world twenty year olds are growing up in now to the you you the, the the world you grew up in when you were twenty. I'm you know I was so privileged I think to be in London in the I moved to London in seventy two and throughout the nineteen seventies and eighties London was a great place to be. I mean it's it's I think it's a lot tougher for everybody now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jamie, you are a very creative person with your writing and your music and your observations on, on life and the world. Um, you've given us some wonderful insights. Thank you very much for joining me in the den and uh, I hope we meet properly face to face one of these days soon and not on Zoom. So do I, Andrew. It's been a real pleasure. Lovely to see you again. And um, yeah, let's, let's, let's get together as soon as we possibly can. Thank you. You've been listening to The Den, a series of conversations about the business of creativity and creative thinking in business.